Welcome to the Littler Labor and Employment Podcast, conversations about employment and labor law issues that impact the workplace. Hello, and thank you all for joining us. My name is Marissa Dragu, and I'm an attorney in our Littler Learning Group, Littler's premier training services group. Today, we are talking to Los Angeles-based Littler shareholder and trial practice group co-chair, Helene Wasserman. Helene, so glad to have you today. Thanks so much, Marissa. Happy to be here. Helene, we just passed the two-year mark on the hashtag MeToo and hashtag Time's Up movements. Needless to say, our culture as a whole and workplaces in particular have been significantly impacted by these movements. So I thought it would be useful for our listeners to have someone who has followed the employment law impact as closely as you have on these movements to share with us some of the aftermath of MeToo. I'd love to, Marissa. You know, I like to think about the aftermath of hashtag me too in terms of sort of being like the good, the bad, and the ugly. So does that mean you actually think that there's some good things coming from the movement? Well, Marissa, I'm actually a very much a glasses half full kind of person, so I look for the good in everything. But there actually is some very good things that have come out of the Me Too movement. From my vantage point, the biggest positive that has come out of the hashtag Me Too movement is the added emphasis and further requirements of sexual harassment training in the workplace. In California in particular, sexual harassment training has expanded significantly through the passage of SB 1343 and SB 778. And actually beyond California, training is expanded into six other jurisdictions, including New York and Delaware, And of course, Illinois is coming soon in in January of 2020. What these trainings do is it's multifold. What training does and why I think training is always so good is it basically allows the employers to communicate with their employees. And by communicating with their employees, by providing sexual harassment training, you're basically doing a couple of things. You're telling your employees, we have your backs. We know what is inappropriate in the workplace, and we want everyone here to know what is and is not accepted, and if the unacceptable conduct occurs, how we as the employer are going to reach out. And further, sexual harassment training provides employees with a baseline in terms of what is and is not acceptable in the workplace. I view that as being a win-win for everyone. Yeah, these are all really great points, and I like the messaging that you add to the training component as well, Helene. But so let's move on a little bit. What about the bad? Well, there definitely is some bad, or rather should I say places where employers need to really tread with caution. For example, arbitration agreements and the passage of California Labor Code Section 432.6. That provides for no mandatory arbitration employers may not require that employees arbitrate claims for alleged violation of the Fair Employment and Housing Act or for violation of the Labor Code as a condition of employment anymore. Employers also may not retaliate against or threaten employees who refuse to waive their rights. Opt-out provisions won't work. You can't require the employee to take an affirmative act to preserve their rights. Yeah, so it sounds like AB 51 is definitely going to change the way that employers use arbitration agreements. So does this law, this AB 51, apply to all arbitration agreements on a retroactive basis? Well, there is a slight silver lining to this big dark cloud. It applies only to agreements entered into, modified, or extended on or after January 1st of 2020. Additionally, it doesn't apply to post-dispute settlement 
or negotiated severance agreements. According to the language of AB 51, the Labor Code 432.6, quote, nothing in this section is intended to invalidate a written arbitration agreement that is otherwise enforceable under the Federal Arbitration Act. So there's a little bit of something there for our employers who have already engaged in these agreements. So that's good. But Neil, I'm afraid to ask Helene, how about the ugly? And this really is ugly. You know, employers really need to brace themselves as California legislature passed AB 9, which basically extends the statute of limitations from one year to three years for all complaints alleging employment discrimination under the California Fair Employment and Housing Act. Yeah, I agree with you, Helene. That's pretty ugly. So again, I have to ask the same question. Will this bill be retroactive so as to effectively revive lapse claims? Well, the, the answer that most lawyers often give and clients hate to hear, well, kind of yes and kind of no. So it's really unclear. So here you go. Section 3 of the bill explicitly states that the act shall not be interpreted to revive lapse claims. Okay. So if you think that there's an incident that happened in 2018, for example, the one-year statute of limitations would apply, and that means that a claim would have had to have been filed in 2019. Okay, that makes sense. On the other hand, if something occurs in 2020 after the bill goes into effect, then the three-year statute of limitations would apply, and the claim would have to have been filed on or before 2023. Both of those make absolute sense. But the question comes in, what happens if something happened in 2019? So let's say that something happened on January the 10th of 2019. So as of 2020, the new three-year statute of limitation comes into effect. So the question becomes, and I'll ask you this, Marissa, what do you think? Do you think that's a lapsed claim or not? So I have no idea, Helene. That's why I have you advising on this one. <laughs> So, okay, so here's where it gets tricky. So if you look at the actual bill analysis, the bill analysis says that applying the rules to the bill, it would automatically extend the time to file for incidents that occurred before the effective date of the change of the law, but for which the statute of limitations period has not yet expired on the date of the enactment. So. If courts will accept the legislative history, which some do and some don't, it would then apply the three-year statute to claims that occurred in 2019. Make sense? It does, it does, but that's a lot to take in, Helene. So I'm just gonna go ahead and kind of try to wrap it up here. Are there any final thoughts or key takeaways for our listeners that you have today? Absolutely. So the first one and foremost one is go with the good and train. Make sure you train your employees, give them all the training that you need, and check your policies while you're at it to make sure that the policies comport with the changes in the law. As for arbitration agreements, we always recommend that you have those arbitration agreements reviewed, craft them specifically to make sure that they would comply with the FAA, and recognize that employers from now on are going to be very limited in how you can use mandatory arbitration agreements. As always, maintain meticulous records of all complaints and investigations. This has always been key, but particularly now with the three-year statute of limitations that is going to go into effect, those files are going to be what is going to help your memory three years from now when somebody now brings a claim for something that happened three years ago. And of course, when you conduct 
exit interviews of managers and supervisors, make sure that you double check that you have any statements they might make regarding any complaints that they might have. Again, this lengthened statute of limitations period is really going to cause havoc with memories. So that's why documentation is even going to be more important than it is now. Thank you so much for all of that, Helene. Your wisdom and your on-point guidance is much appreciated. And thank you to all of our listeners. For more information, please reach out directly to Helene Wasserman or myself, Marissa Dragu, or visit us at littler.com. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.